Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. So today I want to talk to you about the restoring that the Lord Jesus is at work doing in his house. And one of the first things that God is restoring to his church is the lordship of Jesus Christ over his house. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, he said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Here is the question. What are the evidence or the fruit that a person is a genuine disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? The evidence that the Bible gives us is the one who does the will of the Father which is in heaven. Not the one who says, Lord, Lord, but the one who does the will of God. Doing the will of God according to the scriptures is proof or evidence that Jesus Christ is Lord over our life. But in order to pursue the will of God, one has to discover it. One has to know it. One has to discern it. And to discern and discover it, you will have to diligently seek the Lord every step of the way. I recall many years ago, before I came down to Cape Town with my family, God called us to move out of Zimbabwe, sell our business, and go into the full-time ministry, and he said, I want you to go south. Well, there were two openings, or two um, open doors that we could have settled. One was in Johannesburg which is about two hours uh, by plane from Cape Town, and the other one was in Cape Town. And for me to discern the will of God, it took a lot of prayer, it took a lot of diligent seeking. And after a while, I say to the Lord, Lord, won't you make it easy for me? I mean, why don't you just give me your plan for the next 10 years down the road that I don't have to struggle like this in prayer and and all of that, and I would know exactly where to go and how to go about it. And God gave me a profound word in that, in answer to my prayer. He said, son, if I give you my 10-year plan from now, I don't think I'm going to see you again. You're going to get so involved in trying to do the will of God in your own ability and in your own strength without the anointing, without the help and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in how to do it. But not only that, he said, I'm going to miss fellowship with you. And the most important thing to me, the Lord said, is fellowship with you. I love your presence. I want you to come to me every day. I want you to seek my face diligently and fervently so that we can build an intimate relationship together as we are co-laborers together with God, the Apostle Paul says. And I've learned a great lesson. God loves your presence. He likes you. 
He does not only love you, but he likes you. And he wants you to come to him every day and throughout the day, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, so that he can complete and perfect the work that he has began within us. Jesus said that the rewarder, God rewards those who diligently seek him. He rewards them. What does he reward them with? He rewards them with wisdom. He rewards them with knowledge. He rewards them with understanding. He rewards them with, with, with um, guidance. And he rewards them with his blessings. But the greatest reward that we can receive from God is his tangible presence in our lives. Because the presence of God is all we need. We don't need anything else. The very tangible presence of God upon our lives will begin to attract everything like this huge magnet that attracts everything and everyone that we need or require to do and fulfill the will of God in our lives. So I want to say this, something that the Lord impressed upon my heart this morning very, very uh, heavily. Our walk with God, and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is not something we take lightly. At least we should not take it lightly, but one that we should seriously and reverently devote our entire life to it. So I pray the Lord will give us ears to hear today, eyes to see things we have not seen before, and I pray that he will give us an understanding heart so that we can understand what God is saying to us and cooperate with him. At this very moment, while you and I are sitting here and looking at each other, God is at work within his church. And remember two, three weeks ago, I mentioned to you that while praying in the spirit, I had this wonderful vision of God leaning over his church and breathing life, breathing new and fresh anointing, pouring out his spirit. And we need to work with him and we need to align ourselves with what God is doing so that we can be revived, we can be awakened, and we can rise as Isaiah chapter 60 says. The call of God to you and me today is awake, awake, O arm of the Lord, and put on thy strength. The call of God is to arise from our spiritual slumber because our light has come. It's not going to come. Our light is here. And the Lord says, the glory of the Lord will rise over you. Even though darkness covers the earth and the people of the earth, the Lord will arise over you and his glory shall be seen in the church. And it is the glory and the tangible presence of God that will attract nations, he says, will come to the brightness of your rising. Imagine that. Nations and kings will come from every corner of the world. They will come because they will be attracted by the brilliance of the light and the glory of God that is upon his house. In fact, the word of God prophesies that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Amen. God will attract millions of people into the kingdom but he cannot do that 
until his church is restored to health, spiritual health and vitality, until the passion of God returns to our hearts and Jesus become our first priority in our lives. He is enthroned on the throne of our lives as Lord because he is Lord. So our walk with God, our faith, our intimacy with the Lord is not something that we do on the side while we uh, devote ourselves to other things. And if we have time or the energy, we attend to our relationship with Christ. It's not something that we attach to our busy life. Jesus wants our entire heart. That's why Jeremiah says, when you seek me, and when you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. You're going to find me. You're going to find my will. You're going to find my wisdom. You're going to find the very things that you desperately need. You're going to find fulfillment. You're going to find healing. You're going to find deliverance. You're going to find answers and solutions to long-standing and chronic problems. And that will only happen when you diligently seek my face and you seek my face with all of your heart. And I've realized this over the years, that when Jesus is no longer Lord over our lives, when he's no longer the pursuit of our lives, other things and other people begin to take his place. Other things, other desires begin to take preeminence and priorities over our devotion. Jesus said that the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things entering into our hearts choke the very life of God within us. They block the river of life from flowing out of us. They dim our light and our brilliance. They steal our joy. They steal our victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the enemies and the tactics of the enemy, the cares of this world, the worry, the anxiety. What are we going to do? How are we going to make ends meet? What's going to happen tomorrow? What are we going to sell? What are we going to buy? All of these cares and the desire for other things, Jesus said they choke the very life of God within us. So we're going to have to protect our hearts and shield our hearts from all of these things. That's why Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, I think it says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the forces of life. The dynamo of your life is your spirit. And if you don't protect your spirit, your spirit will not protect you or rise above the challenges of life when you need that power or that strength so that you can overcome. We have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our ear gate, our eye gate, so that these things don't enter into our hearts and choke the very life and the very spirit of God within us. Jesus said, he who believes in me out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. The rivers of living water are within us. You are a believer. You believe in Jesus. God placed within you a river, but that river is blocked, blocked by bitterness, blocked by unforgiveness, blocked by the cares of this world, blocked by the 
pursuit of other things. When Jesus is no longer Lord, other things and other people take priority. It's my family. If it's not my family, it's my work. And we're trying to attach Jesus to our busy schedule. It doesn't work like that. Jesus said you cannot put new wine into old wineskins. You cannot take a piece of a new cloth and sew it onto an old garment. Jesus didn't come to patch the old man. He came to kill the old man and in his place raise up a new man who is wholly devoted to God and to the pursuit of the will of God with his entire life. He goes in full force. He's not lukewarm. He's not indifferent. He's passionate about the things of God. That's all he talks about. That's all he thinks about. That is his pursuit because his heart is set on fire for God because he realizes what Jesus Christ has done for that person. He values the gift of salvation. That person values the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy twice and he said, do not neglect the gift of God that is within you that you received when I laid hands on you. Then in another place, he says, fan the flame of God's gift within you. Don't neglect it. Value it. When you value something, you devote yourself to it. You don't just, you don't just ignore it. You give it the true value and the true honor and the true recognition. And I dare say, because of a lack of value or negligence, negligence of what God has put within us becomes the reason that the majority of professing Christians are unhappy. They are depressed. They are worn out. They are physically and emotionally tired. They are without joy, without passion, and without purpose. Why? Because Jesus is no longer the Lord over the lives. They're trying to fit Jesus into the busy schedules. You cannot. We cannot do that because he is the sovereign Lord. And he demands that we have the first place. Listen to the conversation that Jesus had with a couple of individuals. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 61 and 62, the scripture says, Someone say to the Lord, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Can you discern what is wrong with that? He says, let me first. I will follow you. I'll come after you. But let me first go and do what I need to do with my family. You see, his family took priority. I want to go and say goodbye to them. Listen to Jesus' answer. He said, no one, having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Why is he not fit for the kingdom of God? He cannot be a disciple. Why? Because he has not forsaken all and crowned Jesus as Lord over his life. His family takes priority. His children take priority. Your work may take priority in your life. And Jesus said, you're not fit for the kingdom. You're not fit to be my disciple. Because if you want to come after me, the first thing you need to do is to abandon yourself. 
is to deny yourself, to take up the cross and follow me. That's why we keep teaching in our churches, teaching and teaching and preaching and teaching and preaching, but we see no development of faith, no, no spiritual growth, no passion. Why? Because there's no real foundation in the lives of believers. They haven't forsaken all and followed Jesus. Sorry, can't come to the meeting. Why? I've got to go and do this. Other things seem to be more important than the time when it comes to receive the ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of the Word, that it can revive your heart, that the breath of God can bring an awakening to your spirit. And unless genuine repentance takes place in our minds and in our hearts, no restoration will take place from the presence of the Lord. We cry out to God and we say, Lord, we long for the refreshing of your presence. And while I was praying today in the spirit, I heard the cry of some poor soul saying unto God, Lord, restore to me the joy of thy great salvation. And I heard the Lord responding to that poor soul saying, when you restore me to the rightful place in your life, when you give me the reins of your life, my joy will return to you. You see, we're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. What are we going to do? And that is why the, 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 the Apostle Peter said, Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, and the times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. We desperately need the refreshing presence of the Spirit of God. And these are the days when God is blowing upon His church. These are the days of the outpouring of God's Spirit as it is written in Acts chapter 2. And in those days I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. And then he goes on to say, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will see dreams. And upon my manservants and my maidservants, I will pour out of my Spirit and they shall prophesy. Well, let us come to the place where God is pouring out, pouring out His Spirit, folks. Let us come under the mighty breath of God so that our hearts may be awakened, so that we may arise from our spiritual slumber, and that the glory of the Lord may rise upon us, and that the brightness of our glory will attract multitudes of souls into the kingdom of God. When you make priority the will of God in your life, when you begin to take care of God's house, God will take care of your house. God will take care of your children. God will take care of your finances. God will take care of your health. God will take care of everything that, that, that involves you, that relates to you for your benefit, for your welfare. When you seek Him with all of your heart, when He becomes the passion of your life, the passion of your heart, Another person, Jesus said to this another person, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me, notice that they called him Lord. Both of them called him Lord. Lord, let me first, me first, me first. No, it's not you first, it's God first. It's not your will, it's God's will first. Amen. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. It's not what I want. It's what you want, Lord, for my life. 
The reason why we, we are not pursuing the life that God has ordained for us is because we're so wrapped up in our own dreams, in our own pursuits, in our own careers, in our own uh, desires. And God has no room to reveal his will. Why would he reveal his will to someone who's full of himself, who's full of his own dreams, full of his own ambitions? God is not going to do that. We're going to have to come to God emptying ourselves of ourselves, of our dreams, of our hopes, of our aspirations. And as an empty vessel, we say, God, here I am. Take my life, anoint my life, and make something out of it. And God will do just that. And we will be amazed at what God can do over one and through one individual who's wholly surrendered to the Lord. Amen. He says, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, you know, it was a legitimate request, was it not? Of course it was a legitimate request. But listen to the words of the Lord. He said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. No, it's not your father first, it's not your mother first, it's not your wife first, it's not your husband first, it's not your business first. I am first. And we need to come to the place where we put first things first, folks. First things first. He is Lord. And when His Lordship is restored in your life, you're going to experience restoration in every sphere of your life. And you will become an instrument in God's hand to bless many, many other people. Because the will of God is for you to be blessed so that you may become a blessing. Not just to be a recipient, but also a conduit of God's miraculous power and ability to, to touch the lives of others and make a difference in their lives. Because God within you cares. Amen. And that is the gospel. And that is the gospel. He said to the church in Laodicea, the church has grown cold. The Bible says that in the last days, because iniquity and sin will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And we see the evidence of that, folks, today in our churches all over the world. The love of the Christians has grown cold. They are indifferent. They have no passion. They have no oomph when it comes to spiritual things. They can talk about everything else. But when it comes to spiritual things, all of a sudden they grow silent. Why? It's because the love for God has grown cold. And Jesus said to the church in Laodicea, He said, I know your works. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you look warm, God, God has no time for the lukewarm. You know what he says? These are, these are hard words, but they are in the Bible, folks. They are in the Bible. They are in the book of Revelation. He says, because you look warm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. You see, Jesus can't digest, can't stomach the lukewarm because he's not cold and he's not hot. He's got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. He can't make up his mind whom he's going to serve. But Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There is no question about it. 
We're going to go all out for God. We're going to obey His will. We're going to do His will because that is where life is found, in the will of God, in the center of God's will. Nothing is more important, folks, than your faith in God. Nothing is more important than your relationship with the Lord. Not your work, not your family, not anything else is more important than this. And God wants you to take care of your relationship with the Lord. Take care of your faith because there will come a day sooner or later that you're going to need your faith. And don't be like Samson that when his hair was shaved, he didn't know that the power of God and the anointing of God lifted from his, from, from him, uh, from his ministry or from his life. He didn't know. He didn't know. And there will come a time when you're going to need your faith and you're going to look for your faith and you're going to try and resist the enemy that comes against you, but you will find you have no power. You have no inner strength. There's no inner fortitude in your spirit to resist the temptations that come against you. Why? Because you haven't taken the time to nurture your faith. Hello? You need to take time and take care of the gift of God that is placed within us. You need to be diligent when it comes to the things of God, and you need to give it first place and priority. Your faith needs to be nurtured. Your faith needs to be fed. Your faith needs to be encouraged. And the only place that your faith will be encouraged is in the fellowship of the believers, is in the ministry of the Word, is in your private closet, it's in prayer, and it's in the study of the Word. But if you don't devote time to feed your faith, there will come a time when you're going to need it, and it won't be able to help you. Are you listening to me? And discipline is what we must instill in our lives. Discipline is not a word that, that most Christians like. Every Any time I speak of discipline, they think I'm a legalistic person. Well, maybe I am. But I will not allow a day to go by without feeding my faith, without listening to the Lord, without standing before God and saying, Here I am, Lord. This day I choose to walk in love and in forgiveness whether anybody else does or not. This day I choose to walk by faith and not by feelings or sight whether anybody else does or not. It's a choice. Mary chose the better part and Jesus commended her for that and rebuked Martha who was doing a good thing, by the way, but not the God thing. She was doing the right thing at the wrong time. And you can be doing what is good, what is honorable, what is right, but you can be doing it at the wrong time. So we need to be sensitive. We need to be led. We need to be inspired by the Spirit in every decision we make. If Jesus walks in your house, if 6 o'clock the bell rings on a Sunday evening, if the bell rings and calls you to the table of the Lord, I don't care what you have to do. You better make sure you be at the table of the Lord because it's the time where he's feeding your faith, where he's breathing upon you to bring something out of you that will bless others. Don't give me a feeble excuse why you could not be at the meeting. I don't want to hear it. That is just an excuse, folks. I'm sorry I'm speaking to you like that, but the Spirit of God rises up within me. And I know, I know this is what we need to hear. I know this is what we need to do.
Are you listening to me? Lock that time and say, this is my feeding time. The bell has rung and the Lord has prepared. I have been praying for six, seven hours today. Endeavoring to hear from God to bring something to you that will strengthen your faith, that will encourage you, that will put you up on your feet. But if you're not here to hear it or receive it, then you're not going to be blessed by it. And I wonder, I wonder many times, how many blessings have we, have we missed? How many words have we missed that would have encouraged our souls, that it, that it would have nurtured our faith, but we were not there to receive it? And when Jesus appeared, the Bible says, Thomas, one of the twelve, wasn't there. You know, there are legitimate excuses, folks, but there are excuses that have no legitimacy whatsoever. What that tells me is that you've grown cold. Not towards me. You're not my sheep. You've grown cold towards the Lord. Your love has grown cold. And you need to fan the flame of God's gift within you. Do whatever it takes. But stir up the gift of God. Because that gift of God is your salvation. That gift of God is your deliverer. That gift of God is your guide, is your teacher, is your healer, is your restorer. Amen. That's why Timothy writes, don't neglect, Timothy, the gift of God which is in you. I looked up that word negligence or neglect. You know what it says? Failure to take proper care over something that's been entrusted to you. God's precious gift has been deposited within our hearts. The mighty Holy Spirit with all of his gifts reside within the believer there is a treasure house within each and every one of us filled with beautiful and wonderful gifts and they're not for you primarily they are for others and so we have a responsibility to release that river so that that river of life may touch lives don't think about yourself all the time folks i have grown the most in my spiritual walk when I've taken myself off of my mind and put my mind on others. Ever since I was born again, I prayed for others. I lifted them up before God. I encouraged others. I visited others, even from a young believer in their own home, seeking God's face, asking him to help me minister life to them. And God opened doors, and God opened hearts, and God opened avenues. And from a little town in Masvingo that hardly anybody knows, hardly on the map, God took me out of that place all over the world to minister to people's lives and to see them changed. Because there was a cry within my heart. I don't want to remain on my own, Lord. You said in your word, Unless a seed of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. I don't want to remain alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And there, on the altar of God, I began to seek his face with tears, with diligence, asking God to open up doors so that I may share this wonderful gift, this wonderful gospel that God has entrusted to me. But you know what? That same gospel that's been entrusted to me has been entrusted to every single one of you. Do you know how this ministry started on the web? 
just because a couple of individuals like Elise, like Steve and Nikki, they said, we want to continue connecting with you. We don't want to leave our spiritual family. We want to remain. We want to receive from your ministry because we believe God called you, called us to you. And so this thing developed and came about. Praise God for what we do have. And all of you have become recipients of the ministry, of the grace that is, that is upon this ministry in your life. But you know what? That's not the end goal. My hope and my dream that you, from a recipient, you, you would become a conduit where you would reach out and touch lives around you in your sphere of influence with your gifts, with your talents. You may not have the gift of preaching or the gift of teaching like I do have, but you do have a gift. And when you discover it, use it, exercise it. Don't sleep on it. Don't neglect it. God has given you something that you can use, that you can exercise so that others may be blessed. Amen. It could be the, the gift of prayer and intercession. I, I, the other day, I don't know, I've been here for so many years, I never thought about it. But when I started praying in the Spirit, God prompted me and He said, you don't know who your neighbors are. Why don't you create a, a WhatsApp group and call them up, put their telephone numbers on, invite them over for a meal, get to know them. Now I know who they are. Now I can pray for them. But you know, all these years, I never paid attention until I started praying. You see, the prayer closet is the key. God will reveal himself to you. He will reveal his will to you when you diligently seek his face. He said, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Are you listening to me? Praise God forevermore. I don't know what else I can say, but this is what I want to impress upon your heart and mind today. These are the days of restoration. These are the days in which the Lordship of Jesus Christ is being restored over his house. Amen. And I dare say this, and I repeat it again, Number one cause of all failure in our Christian endeavors is negligence. And that is failure to give proper care, proper honor, proper recognition of God's inexpressible gift within us. So fan the flame. I don't know how you're going to do it. But you better find a way that you can fan the flame of God's gift within you. For me, the Lord guided me in different ways either he brought a book in my hand either he connected me to a ministry and i plugged in and and the gift of god within me was fanned into flame and my faith rose from one level to the next and i began to grow and i began to see further 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 than i've ever seen and that's what happens folks when you receive a fresh anointing from god when you mature in the things of god you think less of yourself and more for others. Your gaze begins to see far. And God will even show you things to come in your own life in order to prepare you for what he has prepared for you. Amen. Don't just look in front of you. 
Lift up your eyes, the scripture says, and see Isaiah 60. They all come to you. That's prophetic vision, folks. And that comes through diligent seeking of the Lord's face. Amen. So let us value, let us recognize, let us honor God's gift within us. Find a way to fan the flame. Amen. Ask God, Lord, teach me. How do I fan this flame within me? I'm so ignorant. I don't know how to do it. But you know. And your spirit has been sent to guide me, to lead me, to give me revelation and understanding. So help me, give me understanding. How do I fend this flame of God that is within me? How do I stir up the gift of God that is within me? How do I bring it to life? How? How? What do you want me to do? Amen. And God will show you. And you know, one of the first things that I believe he's going to show you, he's going to give you an assignment for your faith. To believe God on behalf of someone else. Amen. Amen. The more you use what God has given you, the more it grows, the more it's fanned into flame. Touch other people's lives. God serving God is all about serving people. God loves people. God's heart is with his people. Amen. So let's get some fire into our belly. Amen. And begin to seek the Lord fervently. That's where it all begins. Don't run. Seek God first. When you hear, you obey. When you hear, you obey. One step at a time. One step at a time. Don't try and do too much. One step at a time. Hear from God and obey. Hear from God and obey. Listen to His voice. One of my favorite scriptures is in the book of Isaiah chapter 50 that says, Morning by morning the Lord awakens my ears to hear as one being taught. God can wake your ear every morning and you hear his voice. And then the prophet said, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He awakens your ears. And he gives you the tongue of the learned so that you may know what to say, when to say it, and how to encourage, how to build up other people's faith, how to bless them with the word of God, with the gift that God has given you. And so, my friends, our time is up. I don't want to go on repeating what I say, but I believe today... The Lord has spoken to you and to me. And so, what will our response be? Ask the Lord, Jesus, grant me genuine repentance. Help me change the way I think. Help me change. Change the way I think about you, about your gift. Help me to value and truly honor the gift that you've placed within me. For it is my salvation. The gift is my deliverer. The gift is my teacher. The gift is my healer. The gift is my protector. And the gift is the blesser of many other people. For when God touched your life, he had so many other people on his mind to bless through your faith and through your testimony.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us your word, giving us your presence. Thank you for giving us a listening ear and a seeing eye and an understanding heart. Father God, pour out your spirit upon your people, I pray. Bring about a revival and an awakening that will shake our very sphere of influence, that will touch lives to the glory of God, that men and women will see your goodness and your loving kindness flowing through us every single day, ministering to them, blessing them, and touching their lives with the precious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to redeem our time wisely. And Father, teach us how to give you preeminence. Help us to restore and to give you back your rightful place within our hearts and within our lives. To be the king of our lives. Not just an appendage in our busy lives, but the Lord that we seek you diligently and fervently with all of our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' precious and wonderful name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.